Hey, this is H1. We're going to be running it back with another episode. And yes, sir, this is the last episode that is going to be published on this season. But I'm happy to end it on this note on talking about chest knowledge, chest wisdom, chest understanding of pawn structures. Everybody needs to know their pawn structures. If you don't know anything about pawn structures, this will be the the best beginner course you will have on pawn structures. And then you can you can just take it from here, okay, after you listen to this whole episode. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I will see you in the next segment. Peace. So, before we talk about pawn structures, let's talk about what are pawn structures. Let's just go straight from the beginning of what pawn structures are. In which, pawn structures is a configuration of pawns on a chessboard. And I know what you might be thinking. What Wikipedia description did you just give us? Like, what, what did you do? Why, why would you even start there? Because that just makes me more confused. Well, chill out. Let me let me explain the pawn structures that happen on the chessboard. First of all, there are good pawn structures and bad pawn structures. There are pawn structures that help you out in positions and ones that are worse for you that we all avoid. Okay? Those bad pawn structures is the ones that we give to our opponent and then realize that we have a better position of it so our main goal is to make sure that we know the difference of a good pawn structure and a bad pawn structure and just think about ants right every ant has a purpose in the in the little ant hole right every ant does the job day in and day out Nine to five, twenty four seven. I don't, I don't know anything about ants, but I know that they work their butt off every single day for their queen. Okay, I seen the movie. I seen the movie, and when it's wartime, they're ready to fight too. And so here's the thing: just like how ants are important, pawns are just important on a chessboard. Think about it for a second. Think about it. Think about a chessboard without any pawns. Like, you just start off the game with no pawns uh, on the second rank and no pawns on the seventh rank. It would be chaos. It, it would be stupid, right? There would be no point of the game. You just trade off queens very easily, and it, it, it would just be stupid. So, the pawns are important. They You can sacrifice them very easily because they're... They seem like they do the least stuff. But if your pawns isn't coordinated in a real game, it can ruin it. It can ruin your whole game, your whole strategy. A bad pawn structure can make you lose. And we want to avoid losing, so, you know, let's let's get with it. We will be learning some tips on how to plan better with both sides what to do when we have a good pawn structure and when we have a bad pawn structure because I'm going to teach you how to deal with bad positions and good positions just in any element I've taught you this 
So, let's get deeper into how to handle these pawn structures. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, let's get the idea of why pawn structures are important. Well, the first thing I can tell you is that learning pawn structures can deepen your whole level of the game of chess. Because realize this, the pawns are the skeleton of the game. And sometimes, just by looking at the pawn structure, you can determine who was winning and who was not. Okay, now one thing that I remember is that um, this wasn't like the first time I came in contact. I came in contact with this concept of learning about pawn structures in in middle school, right? But at that time, I'm not gonna lie, it really didn't impact me as much. And this was back in the days when I was using the Chess Master software on my PlayStation 2, and even with Josh Wainskin explaining it. It didn't really impact me at that moment of my life, at that age, right? The information was there. I didn't pay attention to it. It really didn't attach itself to me. And it, it kind of, it, it just wasn't that great. I don't know what I was doing in my head. Probably still trying to figure out how to do the queen king checkmate or it was something basic, but it didn't really sink in until I watched this DVD. And this DVD changed my whole life about the game of chess. And this DVD probably, this person that I'm going to name, probably helped you out some way or another to get through like a, a rating barrier. And that was the Yasser Sarawan Pro Chess DVD from 2002. Yes, it was a really old DVD. And you're probably wondering, man, in 2002, H1, you was like, wasn't you like four? Yes, I I was four at at, at 2002. Okay, don't don't do that. Don't do that. That's, That's not even important. The important thing is that I got this DVD because it was still popular when I started playing chess. And actually, my brother had this DVD first from somebody who loaned it to him. And I wanted to watch it to get better, too. And he let me borrow it. And I watched the whole thing throughout the whole week. And I've never even heard or seen Yasser Serwan before. The only thing I knew was that Josh Wainskin was the, the only grandmaster in the world that knew his stuff from chess master. And, and this is a young kid, a young, stupid kid, right? That just thought that 
Josh Waiskin was the the almighty chess player, which he wasn't, but he had a really core value in my chess upbringing, I could say. But once I realized, like, there are great teachers out there, just like Josh Swainskin, which Yasser Sarawan is, like, definitely on my top three. And once I seen that DVD at a young age, and it was pretty surprising. Me, me even thinking about it right now, I'm like, even at that young age, I knew how powerful his teaching was. And when I seen it, I got everything. Everything just came out of nowhere. I got a whole new outlook on pawn structures in that video. And the way that Yasser Sarawan taught it was the best way, in my opinion. Because I know that there's books by Bruce Penelfini and things of that nature, but that DVD was really powerful. And it can still teach a whole lot of people because those principles is always going to stay the same forever. And so the the DVD talked about how basically, you know, you, you basically learn about pond storms, chains, dynamic pond structures, advanced pond structures, and etc. And I feel bad sometimes because there was a lot more content on the DVD, but I just remember being mind blown about pond structures at that time. And then I realized like I had like a revelation like, oh snap, this is really important. And then I watched the DVD three more times just to get the information in my head. And then I became a new man. That day, when I gave back that DVD to P-Money, I could definitely say that that video got me to the rating 1600 at that time. It helped me plan better, plan easier. to form. It helped me formulate things in my head, even though I was still like on my second year of um, learning how to play chess. I, I, it, it taught me a lot of things. And one big thing that it taught me at a, at a young age, and I learned this, and it made me a stronger person, is that the pawns can tell you the future. And you're probably like, what do you mean by that? Well, for example, when you're doing trades or you're making decisions, if you look at the pawn structure, then you can tell basically who's going to win. So, for example, let's say you're trading off to a king pawn ending. Usually at king pawn endings, you can calculate from there who's going to win the chess game. Because king pawn endings are... It's very cutthroat. It's black and white. Whoever's faster wins. Knowing your pawn structures, knowing that the one with the protected pass pawn is going to win that end game is really important and it helps you with your decision making skills and it makes it go way quicker way faster than a normal novice player so knowing the future comes with knowing pawn structures and that's why it's important for you to know these different types of pawn structures that can hurt you and make you better. And especially, you don't want to trade pieces when you have a horrible pawn structure if you're not going to win in the end game. And you can see that. Like, within a split second, 
let's say you're playing a, even a bullet game, just having fun. You can be like, oh, snap. Let me not do that because that will make me have a horrible pawn structure and that can hurt me in the long run. So let me do something else and keep the pieces on the board because I know I have more activity than my... You, you, you get what I'm saying, right? With certain positions, pawn structures can help you formulate ideas for the future. And that's my big argument on why pawn structures are really important for you to learn. How to use pawn structures to your advantage. Everybody wants to win more games and everybody wants to implement more ideas. And this segment is definitely going to give you some more ideas on how to use pawn structures to win, to overwhelm your opponent. The main purpose of chess. So let's get started. If you have fewer pawn islands, you have a better pawn structure. And you might be thinking, what the heck is a pawn island? And this term refers to pawns that are separated by one or more columns. So just imagine a bunch of little a bunch of little islands in real life. And the more people that contribute to your island, the easier the workload is. So chess is basically like that. The more pawns connected, the better your security is. So, if you have fewer pawn islands, you have a better pawn structure. If you have more pawn islands with less people, then you're pretty much, you have less protection, less security in those pawns. And if the pawns can't protect each other like they should be, then you're definitely going to hurt in that chess game. Now, the second thing we're going to be talking about is... Push up your past pawns. Now, what is a past pawn? A past pawn is basically that pawn that has a clear path down to the end of the chessboard. And just think about that pawn as a football player, right? And that football player sees a clear path to touchdown. They will take that path to touchdown to give you those six points. If you have a pass pawn, its purpose is to be promoted so that you can make another good piece. So you can turn that pawn to a queen, a knight, a bishop, a rook, etc. You know, that's that's the main purpose. And I'm just saying, if you have no plan in mind, just from my experience, you have a pass pawn, try to promote that pass pawn and you're gonna you're gonna cause problems from your opponent and it's gonna make your end game experience a lot easier and honestly this is like one of the simplest ideas that you can have and just put out there you know to get the past pawn um a clear path to promote and make sure that none of your opponent's pieces are defending that that path to promote that's a simple plan that you can do right off the bat in any end game where you have a pass pawn. Now, the third thing, target your opponent's 
pawn weaknesses. So, for example, if you see a backwards pawn or an isolated pawn that is defenseless, either attack it or capture it. You know, just just do those things, attack and capture it, and you, you'll be fine. And the backward pawn is basically a pawn that has no support from other pawns and cannot advance freely without being captured. Plus, it's almost always supports a pawn on the adjacent file and yeah if you looked up a picture and went back to that definition that i gave you of a backwards pawn then you would understand what i'm talking about so the main goal if your opponent has pawn weaknesses is to be a lion and attack the weakest point of your opponent's side and the I know this is kind of gruesome, but a lion attacks the weakest gazelle all the time. You know, whatever gazelle that leaves the flock and goes running, it might have a bad leg. That's that's the target of the lion. And you got to treat it like the animal kingdom a little bit. Um, It's sad, but it's the game of chess. Now, another thing, this is like the, the fourth one is protected past pawns. Are like kings of the chessboard, especially in the end game. Protected past pawns on the seventh rank is um, better than a queen, and the protected past pawns on the sixth rank is better than a rook. And these are good chess principles just to have in mind, just in case you need them. But some grandmasters actually sacrifice a piece for this type of advantage. So make sure that you. Um, keep that in mind, keep that in the back of your head, that protective pass pawns are really, really good, and you should push those pass pawns as far up as they can go. Now, the last thing we're going to be talking about is when you accept a pawn weakness, make sure you get compensation for it. Never trade a weakness for nothing in return. You can accept a weak upon weakness for another positional advantage like more activity or more material, but it cannot be for nothing. Don't negotiate. The compromise should be in your favor. And that's important because we don't negotiate with uh, the, the, the other team. We don't negotiate with them. And I was going to say that phrase, but I don't want anything to get flagged over here. You know what I mean? But make sure never trade a weakness for nothing in return. That is really important. Please keep that in mind. Okay. I'll see you in the next segment. Now, let's talk about how to deal with pawn structure weaknesses. And this can be a hard thing to deal with because everybody hates bad positions and playing bad positions. But sometimes we have to and we didn't really notice that we was getting ourselves into one because we're human and we're not perfect. And you're going to get into a lot of bad positions in your chess career. And the only thing that and one of the big things that separate a really good player from a player that's like a novice player that 
that kind of has that kind of knows what he's doing but really don't is really good players top grandmasters know how to finesse bad positions they know how to do it they know how to like work their way out of it and that's how that's why i'm going to teach you this because i i need you to understand how to work your way out of a bad pawn structure weakness so first things first trade off your weaknesses for compensation and i know this kind of gets on like the last principle that i talked about in the last segment but yeah it goes hand in hand so if you have a isolated double pawn right then trade them in a manner which gives you either like more activity or something else like an attack on your opponent's king if you can find ways to sacrifice your bad pawn structure for something else that would be really appreciative and your pieces will come to life i promise you they will and those opportunities when those opportunities come you need to take them immediately and that's why it's really good to be looking at all of your forcing moves second thing double pawns are weaknesses but they can be a strength to rooks for half open files or open files so here's the thing chess is never simple so principles like this don't get told to a lot of people but usually double pawns are bad in some positions but double pawns can be really good because they give more activity to your pieces like your rooks so keep that in mind you can always use your weaknesses to an advantage but if you trade those rooks off then those pawns are really just going to be weaknesses in the end game and that's why it's better to not trade and to keep the pieces on especially if you have permanent weaknesses now another thing which is the last thing if you're down a pawn do not give up a draw is still an option or a win you never you never know nobody should be just giving up a position if you're under 2600 because anything can happen to any player and if there's still a draw option in there then you shouldn't be giving it up giving that up at all like for example um this is why it's important to practice drawn rook end games or all drawn end games to make sure you can defend losing positions because there's been there are some end game positions where you can draw with your opponent up upon so those are things that you should be analyzing on like chess software like chess.com or leadchess.org so that you can defend those positions and you can do it for free on those websites so get you a good rook end game book because usually rook end games are more prevalent but you know you can practice them by yourself you're like a couple youtube videos away from knowing about all rook end games and all drawn end games and how to defend them so i would just look that up even grandmasters turn disastrous positions into draw sometimes because everybody don't be thinking about the draw option or if their king 
um, have enough spaces to go that's not putting them into check. No, nobody thinks about stalemate until the last move to the last position. I would just keep on playing because you never know. And if you don't know what Desperado is, then I would learn that so that you can have a chance to confuse the position to get a win that you probably shouldn't have got. So that is pretty much my advice for winning with um, certain pawn weaknesses and how to just stay in the position and to never give up. Hey, you made it this far. Congrats. That's really awesome. I'm glad that I can end it off with pawn structures because pawn structures is my it's my bread and butter. I love looking at pawn structures to kind of decipher what the position can give me. But clearly I couldn't give you all this information in one episode. So if you want to learn more about pawn structures, learn these next. Learn about First of all, dynamic pawn structures. Secondly, learn about hanging pawn structures. Um, Learn about advice for both sides. Um, Learn about isolated D pawn positions, ideas for both sides. Learn about static pawn structures. And then these are definitely some of the um, different opening structures that you should be learning, like the French defense structures, the Carroll Khan structures, the London system structures, the stone wall structures, and there are many more structures for you to learn in the opening. So make sure that you're doing that. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more while we go on this break, like we always do, we we're ending the season. Um, I am sad that we're ending the season right here, but it it gives me a lot more time to formulate more ideas and especially um, um, follow the World Chess Championship too and to just give me a little breather with life and um, things of that nature. So thank you for being with me during this podcast, during these episodes. I really appreciate it. Um, I will keep you notified on when the next episode will be dropping, probably the the first week of next year. But if anything changes, which I can't say now what I've been going through, but I'll say it then. <laughs> A lot of things happen. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it's probably going to be in the first week of next year. If it's not then, then I'll definitely keep you notified on Instagram youtube facebook about these um podcast episodes so with that being said thank you for picking h1 today i appreciate every single one of you thank you for running it back with me for this last episode episode 10 and don't worry if i want to come back i'll come back with some more chess news something i'll come back with some with something else you never know don't don't be don't be all the way sad we we're good. We're Gucci. Okay? But, yep. I appreciate every single one of you. And peace. Peace. Peace.